Hello, I'm Jonathan Overend. Welcome to Sport and the Feels. We're in association with Aldi UK, the official supermarket partner of Team GB. But this is very much an international edition because we're talking about what it's like to become a national hero and make Olympic history. Right, my co-host for this episode, and it's great to welcome her back onto the pod, it's Amory Batson. How are you? I'm very well, Jonathan. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Well, we're both big tennis fans, aren't we? We are, we're we are. talking tennis. We're talking to a double Olympic gold medalist on this episode. We'll bring him in in just a few moments' time. I think it's an interesting one because tennis has always had this love-hate relationship, if you like, with the Olympics, or maybe it's the other way around. And I think a lot of sports fans who maybe aren't passionate about their tennis look at it and think, well, why should that be an Olympic sport? It's not the pinnacle. I've always had a bit of a problem with that argument in particular. I mean, who who decides that it has to be the pinnacle? Tennis is a, a totally international sport, probably the most international sport. Men and women are able to compete on a, a level playing field at the same tournament for the same prize money in front of the same spectators at the same time. All the Olympian values within the sport and yet some people have a problem with it being there what, what I mean what have you thought over the years I kind of agree with that thinking actually but I do enjoy it but I, I really got into it at 2012 when Andy Murray faced Federer in the final I mean it was amazing that crowd and particularly as it came after Super Saturday as well but this wasn't obviously Andy Murray's first appearance at Olympic Games he was in 2008 at the Beijing Games with his brother mm. as well but it didn't go to plan did it you can tell us a little bit about that well, i'm not actually sure i know what the plan was <laughs> because it was a really tricky time in the tennis calendar they would played masters series events out in north america then they'd had to fly all the way to china for one week of the olympics and then we're going to fly all the way back to the states time zone nightmare for the u.s open and murray what would he have been 21 at the time was still really finding his feet on the tour he was um you know looking for his first grand slam title and that was very much his focus mm. that was his priority and i remember vividly sitting right at the end of a day's training it was almost dark actually sitting with murray on one of the outside courts at the beijing olympic tennis complex ahead of his first round match having a little chat with him and thinking to myself you don't really want to be here do you You'd much rather be in America preparing for the US Open. And I think in his heart of hearts, he would admit that that's exactly what he was feeling. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say that he didn't um, try in the matches. Of course he did. They won a round in the men's doubles. They had a really good win over uh, the, the Canadian mm -hmm. pairing, including yeah. Daniel Nestor. But in terms of singles, it was um, a very abject first round exit for Murray. Uh, Yen Shun Lu from uh, Chinese Taipei was the man who beat him. Mm. And yeah, next thing you know, he's, he's heading back to New York City in Flushing Meadows. So to think of the contrast between the Murray of 2008 and the Murray then who dismantled Federer in those incredible scenes on centre court in 2012 and then the Murray who retained his Olympic gold medal, if, if, if that's the right expression, won a second Olympic gold medal in Rio. Quite an incredible turnaround in his attitude and in his Olympic fortunes. And wasn't it interesting to hear Gail Ems on uh, yesterday's episode, in fact, 
just give us a little clue as to why that might be. The, the pep talk she gave him, the, the <laughs> lecture she gave him on the bus back from the badminton. And maybe that was the moment that triggered something in Murray's mind. And then also in Rio as well, playing against Juan Martín del Potro in the final, the crowd, that's the thing I remember about 2016 Rio, that tennis, men's tennis final, the crowd, the noise that was coming around the stadium. And I do remember Andy talking about at the end of that match, he could barely lift his arms up in the air, could he? Because he was that shattered because the, the, uh, the balls that were coming back at him from the other side of the net were just so strong and... Brilliant, brilliant, and I'm so pleased for him as well that he's, you know, he's got two gold medals now in his, uh, in his cabinet, his groaning cabinet. Yes. Um, but it is interesting, yeah. isn't it? Because you said right at the start that you have a little bit of sympathy with the argument put forward by those who don't think tennis should be in the Olympics. Mm. But look at what it does to people. Look at what it does to the players, most players anyway. Look at what it does to the spectators. I mean, that match you talked about in Rio. I know a couple of people who went to that, that final, that Olympic final. It was their first ever live tennis experience. I mean, what a thing to be in the middle of. It was like a bullring type atmosphere, wasn't it? The way the stadium was configured. Spectators on their feet throughout so much noise. The Argentines giving it large. The, the Brits giving it some. And the, Brazil um, and the Brazilians yeah. as well. They were very, Absolutely. very vocal. Like the Brazilians in the middle of it all. Um, I mean, who were they supporting? Murray, I, I think suppose. they were supporting money and that was, that was the funny thing about it. The Brazilians were pretty much on Andy Murray's side. Then had, had all the Argentinians, obviously, on Juan Martin Del Potro side brilliant great I match. thought it was absolutely brilliant that final really great match one of one of the matches of 2016 those four sets no doubt about that go back 12 years though to the Olympic tennis tournament of Athens 2004 and you find quite a story you find heroes from the nation of Chile one by the name of Fernando Gonzalez and another by the name of Nicholas Massu great players both in their own right both ATP top 10 players indeed. But this was their moment. And for Masu in particular, the chance to arrive at finals weekend to win two gold medals, which not just would be Chile's first tennis gold medals, they would be the first gold medals for Chile, period. And his name will be forever in history as well. And as you will hear, he just... I don't think it's still he can still believe what he achieved. I mean, he talks so passionately about his country. He talks so passionately about what took place in both those finals as well and what he went on to achieve. It's, it's an amazing thing that he did. Well, he's a coach these days and he's coached Dominic Team to three Grand Slam finals. But in his playing days, he'll be forever remembered for his achievements in Athens at the 2004 Olympics. It's Nicolas Massou. Yeah, hey, here everything is okay. How are you there? Yeah, all good, all good. Where, where in the world are you actually? In Greece. Oh, you Greece, are in Greece? No. Yeah, well, in, in Mykonos, I mean, like uh, this week of holidays. Oh, well, that's very kind of you to join us on your, on your holidays. No problem. Nico, you won two gold medals on the same day. At Athens 2004, how do you reflect on it now later in life? For me, it was a dream come true because normally an uh, athlete when represent the, uh, your country in our Olympic Games, it's so difficult to arrive there because first of all, you need to qualify for, for us to represent Chile. It's an honor, a big one. It was my second experience in Olympic Games because in Sydney 2000, was my first one. But I remember that I have good memories because also I in the open ceremony, I bring the flag of Chile 
So that was really, really big for me. One of the best moments of my life uh, that they chose me to, to, to bring the flag in the open ceremony. And then four years after, I was 24 years old. I was uh, fighting for the top 10 to win two gold medals and, and to be the only tennis player in the history that won in, in the same Olympic Games two gold medals is really so, so difficult to understand all the all the things that happened that two weeks. So here's the thing. You're, you're so passionate about sport in Chile, aren't you? Yes. You love your sport. But yeah. we have to remind everybody that Chile had never won an Olympic gold medal before. No. This... Why was that, do you think, Nico? Well, I think that, in, for example, in tennis, we had the many, many good results in the history. For example, Chile played the Davis Cup final in, in 1976. Chile have like a finalist of Grand Slams. Then we have the, the number one in the world in tennis. I don't know why maybe before we didn't win in Chile a gold medal, but always there's a first time. And I think that uh, I give a message for, for, for the future, for the kids, for the people, that the people from Chile, if they dream and if they work hard and if they try, you never know what happened in the future. So that's why, that's why I'm so happy because I, I show to the other Chileans that when you want something and you follow and you follow and you fight, there's always a chance. Nico, tell us about that moment you found out that you were going to be holding the flag for Chile at the 2000 Olympics. Yeah, it was amazing because uh, I was 19 or 20 years old, first Olympic Games, and they, they told me like, uh, I think two hours before. So it was a re- really big surprise. <laughs> but uh, really, just two hours before. Why, why so late? Uh, because they they, they mm-hmm. give it to Marcelo Rios, and then something happened uh, between the, the people from the federation of the uh, Chilean com- commitment. Something happened there, so they they told me like two hours before, or maybe less, one hour before. So I didn't have time to think about it. So uh, you know, tennis, for example, in our country is is, is the second biggest sport. So. Tennis was the most strong uh, sport in Chile, so the people know me, um, maybe a little bit more me than the other athletes. So also, I think the athletes also vote for, for me. Oh, that idea. I love the idea that you finding out only literally one hour before you're due to go out. And of course, thousands of people in the stadium as well, welcoming all the countries around the world. I mean, how did you feel stepping into that stadium, holding the flag for your country? Oh, it was crazy, crazy. I mean... Imagine 20, 19, 20 years old, bringing your flag from your country, qualify for the first time in Olympic Games. Because for me, uh, I'm, I'm so patriot. You know, I always try to represent my country the best that I can in Davis Cup, on Olympic Games, or World Team Cups, or uh, Davis Cup. So for me, it's really, really big. And I think that for me, it was a real honor. I'm always proud to be from my country. And I think that I try to show to all the people that uh, to put the name of Chile in the in the highest is possible. Four years later, Nicholas and his compatriot Fernando Gonzalez arrive in Athens for the 2004 Olympics as Team Chile. The tournament starts in strange fashion. Lots of upsets. Hemman loses round one. Federer loses round two. So I wondered whether at that point, Nicholas, early in the tournament, felt like he had a chance. Well, first of all, when I arrived to the Olympic Games in Athens, I didn't want one match in hardcore in all the year. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> That's crazy because uh, I played two or three in Australia, Miami Indian Wells, then uh, 
Cincinnati, Toronto, and one more. Yeah, maybe I played like between nine or ten tournaments on hardcore that year. But uh, from the other side, I was playing really, really well in on clay. My 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 confidence was normal. I was fighting for to enter the top ten. I was all the year number 11, 12, 11, 12, something like that. And my dream was to be top ten. But I was a little bit stressed. Uh, I played like two, three times. If I won one match, I I entered the top ten and I lose and I lose the two, three times that I lost. And I didn't play my best because I didn't manage, I think, well the, the pressure in that three or two matches. So I, I arrived more more calm. I don't know why. I arrived very in my mind I always increased my level when I play for Chile. So that, that sort of pride in, in representing your nation that, yes, that, yes. that always helped you, didn't it? Yes, of course. I always have like something else. I, I something happened to me that I, my, my personality helps. When I saw the draw and I and I played supposed to play the first round against Guga Querten, of course it was a really tough draw, but I played well. I won six four in the third, a big match at night with a lot of crowd, a lot of Brazilian, yeah. a lot of Chilean there, and then I start to play the doubles with Fernando, then singles, then doubles, and then every match that I start to play, I get confidence. And so I said, okay, if in one moment of my life, in a Grand Slam or Davis Cup or Olympic Games or a big tournament. I had the chance. I want to take it. I don't want to leave that occasion for the future because you never know if it's going to happen again. I guess it's the opportunity to take your chance, wasn't it, Nico? Thinking, I'm prepared, I'm ready, I'm representing my country. We've got supporters coming from South America as well. It all It's like a jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? All the pieces came yeah. together for you at Athens. Yeah. I also, I was not scared. I was not scared to, to make something big. I was prepared to do something important in my life. And I always want to put my name and to my country that to look back and I say, okay, I make history in something. I always work for that. I never know for sure that it will happen or not. And it happens in 2004. It sure did. After winning a doubles quarterfinal against the USA top seeds, the Bryan brothers, a singles quarterfinal against third seed Carlos Moya, the doubles semi-final in a deciding set against Ancic and Lubacic of Croatia, and a singles semi-final against another American Taylor Dent, Nicholas Masu arrived at finals weekend playing for two gold medals. The doubles final with his childhood friend Fernando Gonzalez went the distance. A five-set thriller against the German pairing of Kiefer and Schuttler. Chile won 6-4 in the deciding set in the early hours of Sunday morning. When we won with Fernando the first gold medal, we, we finished very late. It was the first one. So emotional. I played all, all the week, so many hours. I slept like five hours, six hours, no more than that. I didn't like it because I, I have to wake up like uh, before a certain time and I, I need to sleep. So I arrived to the final with all these kind of things. Um, because you, you say it was the next day. It was actually the same day, Nico. <laughs> yeah. <the same laughs> because day. your doubles final had finished yeah. at gone midnight, hadn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At midnight, so imagine I, I went to sleep so, so late. After the final so double, I make the, the anti-doping, the normal one, the urine. And the next day, before 12, I went to somewhere there in the Olympic Villa to make the blood test. At that time, uh, really? it was not so normal that they make blood tests in the no, in the no, no. In, in the tennis tournament. So for me, it was really I went to sleep, and the final was not so late. It was at five in the mm-hmm. afternoon. Then you are awake, and then you need to go to the club at around one to have lunch, and then it's two, and then it's warm up, and then at three you need to prepare to play. So I play, I, I slept only five hours, five hours thirty, with all the hours before you play in the week. 
and all the pressure to play a final of maybe the, the, the most important match in your life. And also, like you said, five sets, the doubles, five sets, the singles. So, yeah, I didn't feel that great. Uh, I was like, uh, not too much energy. I have pain in my legs. And when I entered to the final, I started very well. I start 5-0. But uh, then I start to go down, 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 down. I lost the, the intensity. Marty Fish was playing really well also. That, uh, in, that, in that surface, he's, he's really strong. He was like uh, difficult to play. And then I start to, I start to lose the control of the match. And uh, but I never stopped fighting, and I never stopped to believe. No. So you were two, you were two sets to one down at, at that point, and yes. and this was the yes. guy who was on court in the doubles just a few hours ago. I think everybody, yeah. Nico, was thinking the same thing. You know, he, he's yes, done, yes. he's gone. Yeah, but in, in my mind, I, I said, okay, maybe I, I will have one chance. Maybe let's keep fighting. Let's keep playing like this, and maybe I suck up. I have a second error in one moment. When I start the fourth set, I start to feel a little bit better. And I start to scream a lot to help, like, come on, come on, come on, like, give me power all the time. And then in one moment, at that time, we didn't have, like, uh, Hawkeye. Mardi make a double fault. Someone called, I mean, the, the, the umpire from the, the baseline called the ball out, so it was double fault. And the referee made the correction and called, called the ball good. Something I happened. couldn't believe because... It, You're funny, you the, tennis players. You remember these little details. I know. <laughs> it's fascinating listening to Nico talking because, Nico, you talk about those those fine margins in tennis, yeah. isn't it? The difference between you and, and Marty Fish was, what, one yeah. or two or three points in that final. So close. Because because that point, I think, changed a lot. That's why I remember. <laughs> the people, the crowd, was 50-50. But after that point, they start to scream uh, my name. I felt that all the stadium after that point start to support me, and then I start to play with the crowd. Come on, come on! So I start to show that I am. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. And I start to believe that in that moment I start to forgot that I was tired. I start to be like like mad or peace with all this situation, and then I start to get stronger, 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 and then I won the fourth set. This is Sport in the Fields, in association with Aldi UK, official supermarket partner of Team GB. I'm Jonathan Overend, alongside Anne-Marie Batson, and we're in conversation with Nicholas Massou. And let's pause to recap. In the early hours of that Sunday morning, Nico had won the doubles gold medal, Chile's first ever Olympic gold medal. He had a few hours sleep, was woken for an anti-doping blood test, and then, in the singles final, had battled back to level the gold medal match at two sets all. Imagine, the stadium is bouncing, chilly flags everywhere to be seen. In this little corner of Greece, he's right. Everyone by this point was on his side. I remember that I went to the restroom to, to put water in my face because I was, of course, tired. And I put some water in my, my face and I said, OK, let's go and fight until the end because maybe you never know if you're going to have some other chance in your life like this one. So go and fight and if you go out from that court you need to go maybe they take you out in a bed but go and fight <laughs> then i arrive to the court i enter running like uh, prepare for the fight so i show to the to the people and to my opponent that i, I was prepared for a fight i was prepared 
to to make everything yeah. in that last set. And, and when he did run back onto the court, Amory, I can tell you, everyone was they were there with the beds, they were there with the stretchers, the <laughs> medical people were waiting. We know we're going to have to carry this guy off in an hour or so because it was unbelievable. And listen, I mean. Can you describe what your legs and the rest of your body were feeling? Because you had played for five sets in the doubles final 12 hours earlier. Yeah, I think that in some moment, not, not all the time, not all the time, because there are some moments that, for example, when you use for your shots a lot the legs, I tried to, to push with the legs and the, 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 the legs in some moment didn't respond. So, of course, the ball goes out and then and to the net or uh, I tried to hit hard and the ball was not hard and... And I feel it because I'm I used to it to to use a lot of my legs. It's one of my my was my my strongest point. Yeah. But uh, also, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm I'm waiting my moment. This is important message. And tennis is individual sport. You are one against one. And this is what I said always to the kids. or when I'm Davis Cup captain, that you need to understand all this kind of situation. To be a tennis player is not only to hit the ball. You look to look the eyes of the opponent. You need to detect the, the, the weakest point of the opponent, the, the strongest point of the opponent. So you need to check a lot of things. And when I was young, I, ha- I was lucky because I had unbelievable people who, who made me understand that you need to be very smart on the court. You need to check everything. You need to understand the game that maybe your coach said something. Okay, you have to do this, but you have to ask why I have to do this. You, you need to understand why you have to do this, not to be like a machine that someone say, okay, you have to make 10 minutes this this exercise or this one, and you make it because your coach said to you. No, no, you need to understand the game. This is the most important uh, thing now today in tennis. And that moment when the umpire said to you or to everybody, game, set, match, and then read out the score, Nico, what was your reaction? Did you sink to your knees? Did you jump for joy? What did you do? When I, when I served in the last point, mm. it was 5-4, 40-30. And then I look to the sky and I said, please give me that to the God. I said, please give me this point. And I never ask you something else again. And this is the end, please. I, I, I want I want this point. I don't know how, but please give me this point. So the Olympic then, spirit helped you through, would you say? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. There's something funny that, uh, that happened that my coach, Patricio Rodriguez, who passed away three, four weeks ago, he said, fish have unbelievable uh, backhand. And uh, all, the, all the people know that the backhand is his, his best shot and his amazing return of serve. And my, fir- uh, my best serve also was like uh, the kick in the advantage to the, to the backhand. So in that moment, I wanted to, to serve the best serve from, from me. But also the, the best serve from me is to the best shot of him. My coach said to me, serve to the forehand. And... Uh, I didn't serve to the forehand. I served to the backhand because the normal thing is to serve to the forehand in that moment. And I missed the first serve for like two centimeters. And Marty Fish make unbelievable return down the line winner. But my serve was a little bit out, so I was lucky. <laughs> and, and, and then in the second serve, of course, I, I serve again to the backhand. And Marty Fish come and make pa again down the line. The ball was out for centimeters and I won. I did it. I did it. I mean, it's finished. Uh, what I fight all and uh, in some in some seconds, I remember all my family, all my country, all the people who support me, and then it was everything so fast. 
celebration time for Nicolas Massu, for Chile, and also for his doubles partner Fernando Gonzalez, because he ended up winning bronze in the singles, beating Taylor Dent in the third place playoff, 16-14 final set. So much tennis for the pair, and yet Chile left the tennis at Athens 2004 with two golds for Massu, a gold and a bronze for Gonzalez. This story heads to Santiago in a moment. Imagine that. But first, the emotion of the podium when the Chilean anthem played not once, but twice. The first gold medal, I won it with a friend, with a good friend and a friend from many, many years. So we make it together. And was the first one. So And what a great player he was, by the way, Fernando Gonzalez. Unbelievable, unbelievable player, unbelievable friend. And also our families, they are so close. So I think that was really important because we represent the country since we play like under 14, the tournaments around the world. And to make it with him was really, really big. When I was in the podium, yes, for sure. When when I heard two times the, the anthem of Chile. Yeah, emotional. Emotional because you never saw the Chileans uh, winning the medals. And, and you have to imagine Fernando won the bronze also. So we won three medals only in tennis in that weekend. Always we were like, uh, I used to it to see the, the flags from the big countries from Europe or United States or other countries, but not from Chile. So this is one one thing that I always try to to make the, the people understand in Chile. Maybe you are not the best because when I arrived to Athens, I was not the best. I was not the number one in the world. I was not the favorite. Maybe I had a chance, but in front of mine was other players that normally they won the tournaments. Yeah. They they are the favorites, yeah. not me. And you hadn't but, won a match on the hard court. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the, yeah. that's the funniest thing. Anne-Marie, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've it. been looking forward to asking Nico about what things were like when he returned to Chile. Can, can, can you imagine mm. what that was like? I mean, what's your yeah. guess, Anne-Marie? How many people do you think turned out? Oh, Thousands, yeah, thousands line the streets, more. no doubt. And uh, everyone in their cars as well, beeping their horns down the street, flags flying, colour everywhere, music as well. Like, and I can imagine, this, especially when you landed at the airport, Nico, the reception you must have got when you landed back in, in Chile must have been amazing for you. Yeah, but we didn't arrive, we didn't arrive straight because we, we travelled from uh, Athens to New York because the, after seven days I started the US Open. So when we arrived to Chile... We flew together, and I remember that uh, crazy, crazy. So many, the people receive us in the airport, uh, in the street. Millions of people receiving. They, they, they were working because we arrived in the morning, and the people uh, went to the street to say to follow a bus because all the way there were people waiting for us in the streets, in the in the lights, uh, people watching from the offices in the center of Santiago. From the airport, we went to the to visit the president and uh, in the center of Santiago. And the people receive us in front of the president and then in the complex. So it was crazy. It was millions of people watching us. Incredible. Some people crying, some people saying thank you for, for being Chilean. <laughs> this moment, never going to happen again. And it's something that you always want to remember in your life. Well, Nico, it's been a great pleasure talking to you about your memories from Athens 2004. Now, of course, you're one of the top coaches on the ATP Tour. Your man, Dominic Team is getting closer and closer to his big-time Grand Slam breakthrough. Is it going to happen at the US Open? What do you think? It's a tricky situation. What are you hearing? 
Yeah, I mean, we are waiting. Exactly. Uh, that's why Dominic was playing a lot of exhibitions and uh, we decided to plan the, the, the last week uh, holidays after many, many matches. He played like 28 matches in, in 40 or 40-something days. We are 50-50. I, 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 I heard some rumors that they're trying to do our the, the best to, to make it. So, I mean, we're waiting. We're waiting, but... Uh, we cannot be sure. Nicholas Massey, thank you so much for uh, taking a break from your wonderful idyllic holiday on a Greek island somewhere. And we wish you uh, all the very best for the future with Dominic team. And long may those memories from Athens stay in the memory. Thank you very much for the talk. Say, I hope to see you all soon, guys. And thank, thank you, you for, for everything. Mm. Yep, we'll, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, there we go. The double gold medalist in the tennis from Athens 2004, Nicholas Masu, representing Chile. And what a picture he was painting there, Anne-Marie, of his return and Fernando Gonzalez's return to Santiago. A couple of weeks later, of course, they'd gone to the US Open, then back to Chile. Millions, he was saying, in the streets to greet him. And on the balcony as well with the president as well of, of the country. Uh, I can't imagine what emotions were running through him at the time and, and seeing the crowds out there and the flags and the cheering and the shouting and the smiles on people's faces as well of, of what he achieved for his country. And I love the fact that who he's now coaching as well, Dominic Team, who is a star in the making oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely, already yes. twice he's been to the French Open final, Australian Open final at the start of this year as well. He, he's next in line, isn't he? If someone's going to win one, uh, who isn't in the perceived top three, then it could well be him with Nicolas Massou in the coaching box. Mm, I'd agree with that as well. He's definitely knocking on the door, especially for Federer and for Nadal and for Djokovic. So I'm, it's so good to see, as you say, Nicolas transferring his skills into a young, fresh player who's going to be, who will win a Grand Slam. I'm going to say that now. I think he will win a Grand Slam in a few yep, years' time. Good, uh, good prediction. Love the fact that um, Nico was joining us there from his holiday in Greece. Greece. I mean, what's your career highlight been? Um, winning the Olympics. Where was that then? Greece. Where are you going on holiday? Greece. It's like second home. He might as well buy an island, I think, and just keep going there forever. <laughs> oh, so yeah. I think it's wonderful as well, that story. And, and I talk about in when we speak to him about that picture that I've seen online of him holding up his medal, the biggest smile on his face, and then the green wreath on his yes. head as well. Fantastic. Um, and you said right at the start that maybe you know, you're wavering a little in your opinion as to whether tennis warrants a place at the Olympic Games. When you hear his story and you hear his passion, um, does he convince you? Does he change your mind? Oh, I think he's helped me persuade me to think about it a bit more and uh, to take it on board as well. Just as hearing him talk and the emotion in his voice and being able to recollect so precisely and so specifically key moments of that match in the final. I, you know, I think he, I think he's persuaded me a little bit to open my mind a little bit more when it comes to tennis in the Olympics. Anne-Marie, thank you very much indeed for being with us on this series. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already and you'll be able to catch up on all the episodes so far on this first series of Sport and the Fields. Sport and the Fields is a 94.19 independent production. In association with Aldi UK, the official supermarket partner of Team GB.